0: So if you like what we're doing here if you support the show and you want to give support to the show you can do so by going to patreon.com/letstalknative and if you do so we'll provide you some exclusive content and some things that uh, others aren't going to get when you get it so support us by going to patreon. Yahweh. Let's Talk Native is produced at the LTN Studios on the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. No prayers, no buffalo speeches, and no spirituality shows. While this podcast does not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do take a tough look at history, oppression, and our survival. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. So, Welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. There you go. thanks for joining me my guest today is skylar williams uh, once again uh, checking in with us we're we haven't checked in with him for a while we are in the new year um and right now lane 1492 land back lane is in is at day 169 so welcome back to the program skylar it's good to have you join me
1: oh uh, no problem john glad to be here
0: all right i guess just to recap or before we recap why don't you give a for, for people who may be joining us for the first time, give a, a brief overview uh, as to what day 169 of what?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the, uh, yeah, this is uh, 169 days of our trying to be at uh, every opportunity anyways, to be a peaceful occupation of our traditional territory. And so we moved in here on July 19th of uh, 2020 and, uh, uh, set up our camp, and uh, until uh, August 5th, when the cops came in, you know, uh, shooting and tasering and dragging people away from the our lands, um, and there was a, a, a huge swell of support from our community and others that came out to make sure that we were able to maintain our presence there on the land. And so... After that, we tried to do whatever we could to de-escalate the situation. We brought down the barricades, opened up the roads, and uh, tried to let uh, the politicians take over to uh, let the let that run its course. And the politicians took a very hands-off approach to all of it. And they... Uh, didn't deal with anything, and it was left to the OPP once again to come in and enforce an, an injunction against the uh, again the peaceful peaceful folks like myself on the on the land there, and uh, tried to make some arrests, and again started shooting and tasering and trying to drag Ungawa uh, people, Ounashshoni people off our lands, and so uh, after that, uh, after the last time the. Uh, there was uh, some heavy equipment that got involved in the situation and seen uh, roads dug up, a highway dug up, railways dug up to uh, ensure the safety of the people on the ground there. The uh, OPP presence is always at an a absolute crazy number, and so when they've uh, uh, kind of pushed and pushed to, to get, the, get the situation to where it's at today, it's... Uh, it's quite frustrating for myself, and as well as many, many other people from our community, and and uh, and not just here, but everywhere. And so, I think this is kind of the typical stance that Canada and uh, uh, certainly Ontario in this situation has uh, has taken: is to let the uh, police, the police in the area, uh, deal with land claims.
0: Well, and and uh, and again, just a, a big picture here. Um, 1492 land back lane is, uh, an occupation that you guys established in opposition to a development on what is considered, what's been considered somewhat of a neutral area around the six nations, uh, reserve territory, Oswego, um, an area that is clearly within a land claims, uh, dis- a disputed land issue, uh, land claims issue. Um, uh, and, and again, coming out of you know all of the the conflict out of Caledonia and, and all of that. This was another push by developers by the province of Ontario to um, you know to creep in with with their suburban sprawl onto onto native lands, and this is this lies at the you know at the at the the foundation of the conflict.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I mean that, that, and everybody remembers two thousand and six and and what happened there. Uh, so this particular development. Of 1,400 homes, uh, it rolls up right directly across the road from uh, Gonestado, which was the former Douglas Creek Estates. Mm-hmm. It is uh, directly across the road from that. that. Like for myself, that was a year. Uh, lived there for a year and then spent seven months in jail for for that stand. And uh, to and seven months in jail just to have all my charges dropped afterwards. And so like this is this is uh, how. Canada and certainly Ontario has has dealt with land claims by putting uh, putting our people in jail by uh, burying us under the weight of like heavy bail and release conditions to uh, you know force the force the agenda that they you know the of that disposition that we've been fighting against since forever.
0: Now it's interesting. I, I saw uh, on your Facebook page somebody had posted a. Uh uh, a little, a little video of of a, of a woman uh, known as uh, uh, Zitkala Sá, uh, Gertrude Simmons uh, 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 Bonin, uh, Bonin, uh I think is what her name was, um, and and they talked about her being an activist, and and it all sounds good, but then when you get to the point where, uh, and, and she was Lakota. Um, it gets to the point where it talks about all the good work and how her work led to the Indian Reorganization Act and the Indian Citizenship Act. And so I, I get to a place where, where I got a question. When does our activism turn into more uh, a more polished um, assimilation program for the U.S. and Canada? And the, the Indian Act obviously comes to mind. And when I, I look at some of those who are, who are advocating um, and supporting the way Canada is addressing, let's say the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, which their approach, like the United States and and so many other places, is a watered down approach to something that again has no teeth. It is the minimum standard for for what the international community is saying. Uh, nation states like Canada, like the United States are supposed to abide by when it comes to indigenous rights. And, and I and I use these words and, and I know some of them are problematic. But but, you know, when, when I think about what you guys are going through you know, and, the, and the idea that the, the Canadian government, the provincial government is deferring this down to what they're calling rule of law, which is their rules of, of law that that have no consent by our people and, and keep in mind that the, the language of the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous peoples is about free prior and informed consent not consultation and that's what I'm starting to hear on the. US side with this uh, nomination of Deborah Holland a, 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 a native person from New Mexico uh, ahead of the in the interior Department So when I, when I see all this stuff and I have, and I've got to ask you I mean at, at what point do you see some some of the problem being, the way native voices are being represented to the Canadian government.
1: Well, I mean, like, this is the thing, like, and he highlighted a bit of those things, like the rule of, the talk around rule of law and all of that kind of, sorry, and excuse my language. Don't worry bullshit. about it. <laughs> like, it is absolute bullshit. When you can sit here and talk about the rule of law, when in every, uh, in, in Canada here, like the rule of law stuff is, is has been talked about till it's blue in the face in the Supreme Court about how it is absolutely not representative of the of the uh, uh, Indigenous folks here in, in in this country at least. And the undrip stuff, if you want, to, like the UN Declaration is something that like is how can you even talk about that? It's absolutely infuriating to be talking about something as as. Uh, is um, uh, the declaration on Indigenous rights stuff for like it, it, it's absolutely ridiculous and infuriating for so many people, and like, and that's the thing is the rule of law must pertain to everyone, of, of everyone. Yeah, and like this is, uh, and like whose laws are we talking about here? Like we, we're talking about people that have been here for centuries before European contact, and this is like. We've had our own laws. We we've, we've we've got those, and so for them to come in and and, and try and enforce their law on our lands, like this is something that's absolutely infuriating. For, not and again, like I understand, like not everybody still has their hereditary councils, but like we do, you know, and and we still have those systems of government. But we still have those those means of governing ourselves without having to have uh, the. Uh, 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 police and with their guns and their jails and their courts with their orders like this isn't like it's absolutely ridiculous and infuriating. And sorry for getting upset about that one, no. but it's like,
0: I, that's it's, that's the uh, conversation we need to have. Look,
1: like this it, is like it is absolutely disrespectful to the nth degree when you hear countries talk about uh signing on to the to declaration for the indigenous uh, rights of indigenous people when they're when we're sitting here peacefully occupying our traditional territory and we've got guns drawn on us like this is absolutely ridiculous
0: well and and their foundation of rule of law still goes back to the doctrine of christian discovery which you know which is which clearly should have should have been repudiated and even the u.n declaration of the rights of indigenous peoples repudiates it but there's nothing in place that holds any of these nations accountable to do to, to make sure that the foundation of their laws ha- has been been redirected. I mean, when you consider the racist foundation that is tied to the to the dec- declaration or the the doc- doctrine of Christian discovery, you know, you, you, you there's no way that native people or, or frankly, any marginalized people are ever going to, that are that are not white and Christian. Are going to have any kind of equal application of of this law? And again, when they say rule of law, they're ignoring natural law. They're ignoring you know so much of this stuff, and they're talking about laws written by white men that were that was were specifically designed for expan- expansionism in the United States and Canada. So I, I I agree with you, but but I guess it what it gets back to is to the same. The, the I guess my question was when we look at. The role that that native, so-called native leadership. Let's be honest. I mean, there were a lot of native people involved in that UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, and there's a lot of native people who are still trying to advocate ways that native people can be governed under the Indian Act. And this is and this is part of the problem. And and, and I see the same thing on the U.S. side. And again, I hear people singing the praises of the fact that the the uh, that a native person is going to be a part of the, of the Biden cabinet and, uh, and, and is going to head up the Interior Department. And, and it's almost like we're not even understanding. We lost a Native person to that system. That's what it comes down to for me. These people are not, are, are not working for us. They are not our voices. And unless they can hear our voices and, and make sure that the voices that, that they do hear are proper, properly being addressed by these colonial powers, then they are just they are just tools of uh, tools of oppression to the point of the the earliest part of your conversation. you guys are trying to establish a process where uh, where this thing gets gets resolved somewhat diplomatically but so it's a political solution. But And they keep trying to d- make this about it being their laws being violated, laws that, that never take, it, that take us into consideration and laws that are, that are unjust, at its, you know, again, at, at its foundation. So this is part of the problem. And when, when you consider the I mean, fact yeah. that, that you guys are trying to be peaceful and, you, and you're trying to, to, to work out systems that can somewhat accommodate a, a coexistence, they they want to come in with with rubber bullets and tear gas and uh and and these kinds of things i mean it 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 it's it's absurd you know what what happens is you end up having a disproportionate amount of uh of of Momentum on one side, and and by that I mean this goes to, this this is associated with pipelines. This is associated with, with this kind of development. Look, you get these developers who get millions and millions of dollars. They get much. They get you know this you know piecemeal approach to environmental releases, and they they get all of these things lined up. And so the way the crown or the way the the U.S. courts, the way they view us is that we're the disrupting ones. That that we're the ones that are inconveniencing them. They, they don't ever consider the fact that, that look, the, the only, and I, and I saw this thing posted, on, on I think, on a couple of pages, including yours. The only reparations for land claims is land. And, and these guys think that they can just either just pay something off or they can you know, sway you know, a, perhaps a native politician uh, you know, one way or the other. And they don't address the fact that, that we're looking at this in terms of not just seven generations, but all the generations leading up uh, uh, that get to there. And that we do have to have um, a you, – you can't just look at their return on investment as, as tipping the scales of, of their justice system.
1: Well and I think that's a that's a big part of this. This nation to nation relationship now for the last that's the indigenous people in Canada here come out in the biggest way ever. That, that, like there's there's never been a, a huge engagement with the with Canadian politics until Trudeau started talking about this nation to nation relationship building and all this you know happy Indian stuff that he wants to talk about. And here we are again with with the same the same issues over and over and over again. Uh where we're dealing with uh, jails and uh, jails and violent action by by uh, by police.
0: Well, and the problem the problem is when they talk about nation and nation, they are really talking about the the municipalization of native territories that and right. the, their their system of federalism. Like, and the same thing gets said on the U.S. side. like, like somehow native governments. Are fit into that scale of uh, of you know nation, provincial, um, you know maybe municipal governments, and and so they aren't us, uh, rec- uh, recognizing us as distinct you know peoples. They they are trying to figure and they're trying to lure our own people into that process so that they can give their full faith and credit to a court system that is abound by Canadian law not by laws that 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 we hold that, that predate Canada or the United States so we get into this this debate about what it means to to have government to government because they don't really say nation to nation now they talk about government to government because they want to cast us as a lesser sovereign than them and as a lesser you know a figure within the, their system of federalism
1: and so, like, and the imposition of band council elected systems in our in our communities to see hereditary chiefs and uh, and, and clan mothers here in, in Six Nations jailed for for simply practicing that governing system that has been in place for a thousand years at least. And so we want to talk about uh, the criminalization of people. It started on day one with this band council stuff.
0: Well, and it goes beyond the band council stuff because then you end up with their so-called tribal police. These, you know, the, these police Absolutely. systems that are enforcing Canadian law, or on the U.S. side, U.S. law, or state law, or provincial law. So we end up with people who look like us, except for the uniforms that they're wearing, and yep. and they end up being agents of oppression.
1: Absolutely, there. And I mean, uh, at, we're actually pretty lucky here at Six Nations right now. The, the Six Nations. Uh, Six Nations Police have taken a very hands off approach to all of it and are not getting involved and 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 have said as much and so like, uh, as, I, I, yeah. So that's 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 at least a, a good thing for us. Yeah, and
0: and and I, and I agree when I when I do see that I that that is a, a good note. The, the problem is that that I also sometimes see an an attempt by. Um, law enforcement, whether it's OPP or whether it's you know you know SQ or or, or whether it's uh, you know band council police or whatever else. Where there's also this effort to always try to cast us as somehow criminal beyond these things. So, you know, whether it's the, the, the cannabis laws or, or whether or, you know, whatever the case may be, there's always an effort to to try to cast us as being, again, outside of um, you know, operating within their rule of law.
1: So, yeah, so like so far, uh, the elected band council here in Six Nations has not come out supportive, but also not come out to denounce us either. Uh, the elected council here in uh, twenty eighteen twenty yeah twenty eighteen had signed a an accommodation deal hmm. to uh, um, accept this development, but at the same time and and I, I and I don't want to say that I've I've defended them, but I guess it, it, I don't know how else it could be taken because uh, they have uh, like they like. That's the thing is they're not giving a whole lot of choice in the matter, and so when the uh, developer in this case showed up to town with a bag full of money and said, "Like either you take this money and development can go on, or you say no to the money and development's still going to happen."
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, so like that's it, like, the that, offer you can't so refuse, so to so kind of of, speak. It, 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 yeah. This
1: is it right and so one way or another that development was still going to proceed whether or not band council got anything to do with it or not is you know whatever but and so it uh, so yeah I don't got a lot of blame at least not in this circumstance for for the band council anyway. I've got a lot of blame for them in other reasons but, but not for this one.
0: No, and, and I I hear you. Uh, you know, and I'm I'm sure there are some that agree with you, but and I'm I'm also sure there are some who are saying no, taking the money uh, essentially, you know, gives uh, makes you more complicit. So I, I understand there's probably two different ways to, to interpret that. But I, I do agree that but I mean, the like, prob- like, the problem is when the these thing,
1: though is they've used and weaponized like starvation to force people to into colonial roles, roles to feed their families. And these are roles that these INAC councils, et cetera, that are Indian agents of today. Yeah. Right. And so, like, it's either you want to feed your family. No, I, with,
0: I get it. I, I get or, it.
1: Like, the, I mean, I don't, but
0: <laughs> no, I, I understand the, the circumstances because their very yeah. existence is tied to complicity. And, you know, so so it, it makes it really difficult for any of us to look at those elected councils as uh, as anything but. You know, but servants of of the the Canadian or U.S. masters. I mean, it's hard to look at them. I'm not saying they don't ever do anything any good work, and I'm not suggesting that. And it'd be one thing if they were simply administering funds, but they aren't. They're they're what they're administering is uh, is, is Canada's version of the rule of law.
1: Absolutely, and I think that and that and I think we've tried and tried very diligently to make sure that like uh, and we. Uh, fought in our civil case, the injunction proceeding is against that. That I was one of the, the sole named defendant in. Um, when we tried to argue our case in that, we were barred from being able to participate because we weren't going to leave the land regardless of what that court said.
0: Well, it, which is you know again gets down to their their ways of manipulating their so-called rule of law instead of literally instead of legitimately hearing the the discussion and hearing the arguments. They use their technicalities to say, no, we're not even going to we're not even going to consider what the arguments are. And so, I mean, it, it defeats the, their argument about their so-called rule of law when they use that law to, you know, to, to, you know, to basically. Um, just lock people up, hold them in contempt of court, and then in holding them in co- contempt of court, saying because they are in contempt of this court, we don't have to hear their arguments.
1: Absolutely, and I mean, like this is this this is what the court uh, hung their hat on when uh, when hearing ours mm-hmm. was that they weren't going to hear a bit of that because they knew that regardless of what this court said, and I said that as well in my in kind of my opening line there. Was that like that, that? In order for me to respect and uh, my law, that I, I I have an obligation to do what I'm doing. And right. So there's nothing this court can do or these cops can do. There's nothing there's jails that they can do to deter us. Like if it isn't me, it's going to be somebody else. If it isn't if it isn't somebody else, it's going to be somebody else. Like it's like it. it, it like these aren't going to stop. Yeah. Not just here, but across Canada, across the U.S. Until those those those, uh, those governments start to respect the fact that we are nations unto ourselves.
0: Well, and and the crazy part with with a lot of this stuff, and, and we're going to take a break here in just a minute. But as 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 we go to go to this break, one of the things that concerns me is that this isn't anything new. The, the whole idea of treaty making that that Canada has, you know still wants to you know suggest is something that is the legitimate process there was never an attempt to find out whether the x's on their their agreements had the legitimate authority to to cede land or to or to or to receive funds they don't as long as they had somebody that they could they could check the box for they didn't we have to make sure that when we're dealing with them that they have the right authority they have proper authority and most of the time they don't because they aren't representing the crown they're representing you know a, a provincial agency or something like that so there there there's already You know, the foundation, the historical foundation that's that shows that they've always tried to find, you know, weak links within our within our people, weak links within our systems to to try to um, impose something on all of us just because they've gotten a few people to, to agree with them. So, and I think this is a problem. Look, Skylar, we're going to take just, just a brief break. um, uh, And then we're going to come right back. I usually try to break the show up into two segments. So um, hang with me and uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. This is John Kane with Skyler Williams from 1492 land back lane in six nations. And uh, we'll, we'll be right back after this. thanks for coming back this is john kane this is let's talk native and my guest is skylar williams from 1492 land back lane the the occupation of uh, of disputed land on the edge of the six nations reserve Oswego, um in what some people call ontario so we'll just leave it at that skylar i want to again thank you for for joining me and, and giving us an update um, look this is my first show of the 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 new year as per the Gregorian calendar uh so w- tell me this i mean as you as you guys have completed or, or as you're completing 169 days uh on this the standoff essentially w- what do you see going forward into into the new year uh, is, do you have any upsides uh, i mean anything anything that you're you're feeling optimistic about
1: uh you know what there's lots that I'm feeling optimistic about. You know what, like there is uh, the Confederacy Council here in Six Nations has come out in a big way to uh, to say that they support. Uh, there's uh, the, the Band Council, uh, you know, let's say about three quarters of them that have uh, have stated that they support uh, not coming out publicly and saying anything, but, you know, doing what they can within their means to be able to, to say as much as they can. As individuals, and, yeah, sure. Yes, as individuals. Yeah. And so, um, and, and so like, I really look forward to seeing where, where that can go. And like, and I think something that we've been talking about since the very start of all this is all of this, uh, uh, peace and, uh, doing whatever we can to maintain that peace and, and and striving towards unity for, for our community and for, because that's the thing, right. Is like, Canada and Ontario, these governments, these police, the RCMP before the OPP, the Brits before that have all looked for cracks in our communities to drive our communities, to, 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 to drive these wedges home in our communities. And I think that's something that our, uh, our community, like every other community across, uh, but not just uh, Canada, but in the U.S. as well with the, with the tribal folks, have divided our, divided us so incredibly well. And so it, it's on us now to, uh, for this generation and for all the generations coming, to be able to bring those people back into the fold to make sure that that everybody is going to be accounted for in this. Because that's the thing is, whenever these things happen, there's always somebody that stands up and says, "Well, you don't speak for me, or you don't, you don't." We're we're this family, and that doesn't account for us. And so uh, when when we started this, we said that this is going to be for everybody regardless of family or faction we don't it just don't it doesn't matter because we can we're going to argue about that until we're blue in the face you know and we're going to argue about that for the next 50 years over who has say in this but if we don't make a stand and make the stand that we are and we don't come together as as nations like we're not going to have anything left to argue over
0: well you've sorry, also, you you no, go ahead please. you've also got to be pretty optimistic about the the level of support that you're receiving from other native communities, other native territories. I know you guys are uh have been you know a conversation on either side of that imaginary line, and you are being looked at as as again one of the the examples that people are trying to establish uh for how they um, how they go forward in these kind of adverse situations. So, I mean, talk to me a little bit about about the outpouring of support that you're getting from from outside your community.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, uh, we've had folks from all the way out west, all the way out east. There's been folks from the states come out. Um, yeah, I know we've had. Uh, uh, there's a Kitigan up in north, well north of Ottawa. That folks from there were out. Like it's been. Just a huge, huge uh, outpouring of support from the Wet'suwet'en. Um, uh, uh, some Cree folks from Manitoba had come out, like, and and all of them with um, uh, like some backing or support or uh, from their nation to, to to come here to as as ambassadors of their of their respective nations. And so, like, that it's it's. It's an amazing thing to see uh folks come out to to support the uh legal defense fund the way they have the the camp and being able to push things forward there like right now we've got uh uh eight tiny homes that that folks are living on living at at the site down there that uh people have been utilizing over the winter months here you know wood stoves and trying to make sure that people are able to maintain our occupation throughout these uh you know next few next few cold months that we have ahead of us here
0: well even, even yeah. i've even heard solidarity coming from the the, the micmac um fishermen that are Absolutely. involved yeah. in their own. I'm surprised you guys haven't got lobster yet <laughs> <laughs> Hint and hint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is it, yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, and, and of course, the Land Back movement is, you know, and it's great that you guys have incorporated that in, in what you're doing there, but the Land Back movement is obviously something that has been a push i mean it gained a lot of recognition when you know the u.s president trump was trying to use uh, mount rushmore as a backdrop um when he was running you know doing his campaign and so th- you know this this idea that many of us are are putting you know so much singular attention to the value of land because look it's 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 kind of what defines us right i mean our very names are tied to the lands that we come from so i mean it it, it really it, you know i think that's the, the positive part of of all of this is that we are seeing such solidarity across native territories you know of course the, the risk is always that we're we're going to see some of these people that that undermine some of that and 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 so when i and i'm not trying to make this you know into a hate session towards towards some of the iconic native leaders who get out there and get a lot of press, but look, we're, we're going to see it. That's what concerns me on the U S side with, you know, their, this nomination for the interior department. I've seen some of these, these names who on the Canadian side that get a lot of attention, but they, they always seem to, you know, to, to, to never go far enough. I mean, and one of the things that comes to mind, I, I think about Murray Sinclair in, after the the investigation and the this whole you know conference on residential schools he characterized residential schools as cultural genocide it's like why did you stick the word culture in front of it i mean you're talking about children who died this wasn't about stripping just of culture and so there's always this even when we have these voices they get out there they never quite are prepared to take the solid bite that they need to take into these things
1: well, you know what? Like, a lot of the polit- its just that the politics stuff around this is just—it it really is a popularity contest, and, I re- and it is something I, I try to stay away from as much as I possibly can, or I would end up just pissed off all the time. And so I'm, I, I do my very best not to, to look as much of it as I can. But absolutely, when it comes when we're talking about residential school, when we're talking about missing and murdered Indigenous women, when we're talking about the over-incarceration of Indigenous people across the board. Like, this is something that, like, I don't see how it could be anything other than that genocide. And this, and, and all of this stuff in the now, like, this isn't stuff we're talking about 100 years ago or 50 years ago or 20 years ago. This is stuff that's continuing to happen. And these are things that are very documentable ways in which the, the governments, the courts, the, the, the cops are doing all of these things in very, very obvious ways be able to silence those voices that are coming out
0: well and and this is where we get into this conversation about racism being systemic i mean it's it's demonstrating itself even in the midst of this global pandemic native people are 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 not only seeing infection rates but but death due to covid19 at higher rates you know and it's not just down in navajo territory navajo territories where it's you, the numbers are scary because it's it's a large population of native people. So the total numbers are pretty high. But if you do it as a percentage of population, we're seeing native people here in Seneca Nation territory where 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 I do my show from. The, the number of people who are infected and, and who have who've died as a percentage of the population, it's it's pretty damn high. And we're seeing it in, in territory after territory after territory. And I don't know. Uh, we don't get into a lo- lot of the covid-19 conversations, you know, across the across border. But but give me your assessment. How how is your community holding up in the midst of this?
1: Well, um, February and March. We, at Six Nations, there's a highway that is now blocked. Um, but we blocked it in February and March for uh, uh, when they raided uh, Wet'suwet'en. Mm-hmm. And then again, in denega they raided them on the tracks there. And so we blocked that highway then. And right following that, our community went into a full lockdown. The band council and the Confederacy worked together to be able to put uh, – uh, barricades up all around the community to make sure that our community was going to stay safe from this. And so, uh, trust me when I say nobody takes the COVID stuff more seriously than, than our community. And uh, and so now in this midst of this second wave that we're hitting here in Ontario, like, it is, you know, it's certainly a concern for a lot of people. And we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we're doing all the things like when, you know, ally folks want to come out and support and in, in different ways uh, we're making sure that we're doing a lot of the precautions to make sure that uh, they're they' are they're, they're not bringing covid blankets down
0: <laughs> well and, and doug ford raised hell when you guys uh were, were trying to sh- lock down your communities because of covid if, if I recall he was raising hell
1: well I mean it, since you brought up doug ford <laughs> this, is the, this this is a guy that like the uh, province had, started the uh, Places to Grow Act, which was a bit of legislation that seen um, financial incentives for uh, massive, massive corporations to, to, to develop along, along a, a, an area of land. And so if you take that map that they have for their Places to Grow Act and you lay that directly over top of the Grand River Tract, it is almost exactly over just the Grand River. And so, like, to see these these developers come into these contested lands in the way that they are isn't, isn't just a happenstance that this developer came here. He's, he's being given incentive to come here.
0: Well, and it gets back to what, what I mentioned earlier. Then you get this amount of disproportionate amount of investment and, uh, and momentum that it is geared towards encroaching on our lands. And so when they go into their courts of law they can say well look how look how, look at how the scales are tilted you know there they they there millions of dollars we've got jobs at stake we've got all these things but it's all it's all been part of a plan to basically encroach on our lands in the first place
1: this is it and i mean this is the same premier who after the uh, elected council chief here had his uh, his house his house his house burned down and uh, the premier stood up in a press conference and said like these are a bunch of bad apples that have taken over the land at uh, Landbag Lane and the chief said something that they didn't like and they went and burned his house down
0: <laughs>
1: like there was and, and this is the thing is this is this is the the, the rhetoric that these that these politicians are putting out that inflame the situation uh, to the degree that it is that helped to perpetuate those divisions in and and again like in, I, I it's not just here that these divisions exist like this band council elected system stuff has created this massive system of haves and have nots in all of these communities across the country across across the continent mm-hmm. and so it, it 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 it's infuriating to so many to see a politician stand up in a press conference and talk about something that he has absolutely nothing that he knows absolutely nothing about
0: well, and those comments are always loaded with 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 racism. i remember going back to the uh, the blockades in, in over and Tandanega over Watson, and the the comments were and while some people have to work. Some people have to go to school, making it sound like we're, we're just a bunch of, of lazy people who, who don't have jobs and that we're not in, interested in, in advancing ourselves. You know, so the, a lot of these comments that are coming from all different segments uh, of, of Canadian, you know, you know politicians and, and governance, uh, the, you know, these are the comments that are being said in their Canadian Parliament halls. I mean, so yeah, there, there's very little question. And, and of course, we get back again to this idea that when you look at the you know the disproportionate amount of native people who are you know killed by cops who are uh, in, serving prison time who are you know the disproportionate number of of women who turn up missing or, or murdered and and of course uh, you know even in a system you know that that you know, is is applauded on the United States side when it comes to health care. We know that, that our people are drinking unsafe water. Our people are are, are disproportionately made ill because of colonialization.
1: Absolutely. And I, and uh, here in Six Nations, we've had a boiled water advisory for the public drinking water for 25 years.
0: I mean, that's absurd.
1: The most populous... Uh, uh, reserve in in the whole continent.
0: Yeah, and, it's and absurd. It's, it's absurd.
1: Absolutely ridiculous that we've got to boil our water before we can use it to wash with.
0: And you know now, now people talk about Flint, Michigan, on the U.S. side, but but totally ignore the fact that you that you guys are you know living in an unsafe water condition and have been for you know for a quarter of a decade. I mean, it it is absurd. And of course, this is where you know our territories that are uh, that on one hand may de- may benefit benefit somewhat economically by having a non native population you know that's that's close to us when it comes to you know things like trade and commerce it also becomes problematic because again this 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 overlay that you're talking about of of these you know um uh, development parks and these industrial parks that they want to put on our territories. They start looking at our lands as the sacrifice zones because of perhaps our population isn't quite as, as dense as theirs. And so if you're going to run a pipeline someplace, well run it through native territory. If you're going to, if you, if you want to do uh, an industrial park, well do it where it'll have the least per capita impact. And so they, the, you do it, on, you do it on or about or near native territories.
1: Well, and I've talked this about this a million times is this idea that you know covering everything in concrete and asphalt in the name of progress well this isn't what progress looks like for native communities progress for us is you know being able to build and live in a way that lets the you know lets lets the deer and the foxes and the the birds have a place for their habitat you know you go to any native community i don't care where you are there's the, the amount of space that we take up for for our homes and for agriculture are very very small like you come here to Six Nations, you look at you look down from uh, Google Earth there at Six Nations, and you will see this green spot in the middle of Southern Ontario. And you have got to remember, Southern Ontario, the a quarter of an entire country lives in Southern Ontario. A quarter of the entire country lives in this area. And so, when we're talking about the cost of what this land is here, like this is the most like the, the most lucrative bit of real estate in the, anywhere <laughs> anywhere. And so, like to, to quantify that. With, with with a dollar figure is absolutely ridiculous, and so for us to be able to, you know, like there's all of these issues, that like you know, like we could we could talk for another ten hours about you know what what the what the cost of this is, what what racism looks like, like all of this, but for governments to respect the fact that we like this is a nation of people, like this isn't just this this isn't the, a municipality, this isn't part of another cog in the wheel of Canada this is the we are a nation unto ourselves and that needs to be respected and we're going to keep coming in these situations over and over and over again the more that that is that, that this line this this line of disrespect is uh is, is perpetuated by these governments
0: well and you bring up a good point and, and I think you know to, to put a finer point on it look as much as I I support Black Lives Matter or, or, I, or I will support any oppressed people uh, in the U.S. Or, or on the Canadian side, there is something that's distinct about us. We aren't just a native community that, you know, that has to worry about um, gentrification that you know, the black communities in the U.S. have experienced or, or, or any other marginalized people. We are a distinct people. We didn't, we didn't come to the U.S. or Canada seeking the U.S. or the Canadian dream, the American dream. We didn't come here because we were escaping oppression from a country that we decided we weren't going to fight it there. We're going we're gonna to try a new start in a virgin land. No, it was, the only reason it was a virgin land is because we were occupying it. And we kept it in that in that condition. So I mean, there's a, there's this perception that Canada gets this uh, this unwarranted perception that they are so green and that they are so nice and that the, you know that it, that you know their the human rights uh, stance is, is so much better than than other countries. It, and it's all a lie. And 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 if you look even uh, even at the, the ten thousand foot level at what the native experience has been in Canada. And the amount of oppression that our people have experienced, even as we're defending land, as we're defending green space, as we're defending the the climate and the environment, we are we've experienced this the same level of oppression, and in many ways even worse on the Canadian side than than exists on the U.S. side.
1: Well, and like, and you know what, racism is something that I think, uh, regardless of what uh race you are like the the racism is something that is it's almost tolerable when it's something that's talked about behind closed doors you know it's almost tolerable when it's systemic when it's built into the system but when that racism comes at the end of a, at the point of a barrel of a gun when that racism is you know dragging indigenous people off their lands and like 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 this is what racism looks like like like, like for it to be fully in front of your face the way that it has been in the last uh, uh, several months since being at Land Back Lane here. Like, this is, and having a court stand up and say, like, uh, the people who are named in it can't even defend themselves because they're upholding those obligations to their own laws. Like, this is something that, like, I don't see how that can be anything but infuriating to an entire nation of people.
0: Well, and, and, and to be clear, there's racism and then there's genocide. Ra- racism is about oppressing people. Racism is about viewing a people inferior Absolutely. to you. Genocide is about eliminating people and genocide. This idea of denationalization, this is this, you know, what are the, what do they called? Ethnic cleansing. That's what we're experiencing. We are, yeah, we're experiencing all the racism that, that every other marginalized people are experiencing. Sometimes we're experiencing it in a, in a weird way. I, mean, I think about the mascot issue and some of that stuff, but but th- at at its core this even this effort for assimilation and and encroachment on our territories it's about making us no longer exist as distinct people that's genocide that's the definition of genocide creating policies that will cause the people to cease to exist and, you know, and 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 as bad as racism is racism is a, is almost in a different class and it's used you know, in many different ways, it's, it's used as a system of power, um, you know, um, inequality. But when you talk about using racism and using, you know, um, a, a people who just will not conform as justification for making us cease to exist. And look, there, there's plenty of politicians historically, both on U.S. and Canadian, uh, on the Canadian side, who and, uh, Trudeau's dad, right, who insisted that we needed to <laughs> yep. be eliminated, and and that and that was the policy. And so. I mean I, there's no way that that Justice Israel has fallen that far from the tree here. I mean, and, and when you when you look at even even the massaging of words and that kind of stuff, you know what it comes down to is they want us to be Americans, they want us to be Canadians and 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 they know as Canadians or Americans where we're going to fit in their in their social scale ladder right there at the bottom. So rather than us standing up as distinct people. And, and, and them having to recognize us as, as distinct people, they want to recognize us at the bottom rungs of their social scale.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like I touched on earlier, the over-incarceration of indigenous people. Like we're, we make up 3% of the population here in Canada, and uh, you go to the prisons here, and we make up 25%
0: of that. And that's men that and women. I mean, some the, the, the Native women who are in, in Canadian prisons is... Is alarming. I mean, it really is alarming.
1: It is a one third of yeah. the population in prison for women. I mean, it's, that's a—it's absurd. That's appalling. Like that's like, how can that be anything other than systemic racism built into the system? To see the, the the nations of people that were here first, Yep. that were here, that originated here, you know, like that. It, it, how can that be anything but that?
0: Well, and that's why it's important that we we talk about this stuff. So people have to know what these numbers are. They need to know what is lying at the foundation of you know a fourteen ninety two land back lane. I appreciate you you giving me you know so much of your time. Uh, I know it's tough because uh, it, you know one of the things that that's always a danger is the people who who um, are, are looked to, to, to speak on behalf of a community are oftentimes targeted. And I, and I know that you have been to some extent, so I know there's, there's a a risk, there's a risk in being as candid as you are and being as vocal as you are. So, so I appreciate that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to put you on a hero's pedestal, but I understand the, the, the challenges that come with that. And, and of course, you know, I'm sure there are some things that that you know, as you get impassioned on these conversations, and and you know, frankly, you get pissed off. You know, you know, from a public standpoint, yeah, we got to walk back some of our comments sometimes, but it doesn't change how we feel about some of these things.
1: You know what? Absolutely, and this is the thing: is like for for too long now, like our people have been made to stay quiet, and all of this for too long. It's been you know, whether it be fear from residential school stuff and for, for, from the genocide that, you know, my parents and my grandparents had to had to live through. You know, for us to be able to say at least to be able to give our children and our grandchildren an argument, we need to make these things. We have an obligation to be able to give them the opportunity to do this same thing. Because if we sit back and do nothing, I'm in, uh, trust me, I'm under no misconceptions that uh, this is going to be the big win that's going to set everything straight, and all the, the Ungbohui uh, communities across the country will suddenly be given all of their rights and recognition that they deserve. I don't, but what I do know is that this is these these moments can be seized and capitalized on to at least be able to give our children and our grandchildren an argument, so that they have a, a, a leg to stand on when it comes to when, when it's their turn.
0: Well, and uh, the be, bottom line is I our
1: kids are making fun of them for not doing it quite quite the right way.
0: And, and our kids are going to have a, you know we've got to answer answer to our kids when they ask us what did we do. This is it. And and we well, what so what did you do, Ben?
1: What did you do for the land?
0: So whether we we did everything you know uh, uh, by somebody's estimation a hundred percent right or not, the point is that we drew a line in the sand and we defended it. And uh, and so again, I want to. I want to thank you and all of the support that you have there. And I want to continue to encourage those from other territories to support what you guys are, are doing there. Um, I'll post a, a link on your, your GoFundMe uh, page when we, when we post the video. Um, I, again, I, I appreciate what you're doing and I want to uh, thank you again for giving me so much of your time.
1: Oh, absolutely. John. I really appreciate all the help. I, I really, really want to say a big thank you to you. I mean, and, and again, to all of the support that we do get, it is, it, like it lifts us up in such a way that I, I, you know, I got I don't even have the words for it.
0: Well, we'll check back in with you again. Uh, um, you know, give me a give me a holler if anything anything comes up that uh, that needs immediate attention. But we'll check you back in with you from time to time. All right, Noah. I- oh thank you too. All right, that's uh, that's, that's Skyler Williams from 1492 Landback Lane on the Six Nations Reserve in what some people call Ontario. Um, again, I, I thank Skyler for his good work and 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 the work of all those who are there with him, um, and that are supporting this resistance to, you know, again, uh, these are these are kind of luxury condos that they're trying to build on disputed land. Uh, right on the, on the fringe of the, uh, the six nations, uh, territory in Ontario. Um, we'll, uh, we'll check back with them from time to time. Look, I do want to thank you. This is our first program of the, uh, of the new calendar year. And, uh, we've got, uh, we're going to, we're going to keep at it. We will not stop doing what we do here. So I want to thank you for listening. This is John Kane. This is let's talk native used to push a black impala with some tint my note was almost more than half my rent all my money went to one expense I know that don't oh, make no kind of sense. Back then, I used to drive off Mason. Those cops not used to the faces. We got, they would run my plates in. We stopped, but I just left work. I Restock, but they see my whipping. Sea pots on my outfit, they think. Treetop got a head full of steam like a teapot. Better do what he say. Oh, you get shot. Ooh, who are you? See you like red, must be a rule. If you went to work, why well, bring the crew? What you think black folks don't carpool. Better would have been a crib if my shirt turned blue. Keep your hands on the wheel, sir. Ten and two, I stopped this car because you
1: did too dark.